Podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree the podcast is brought to you by soccer90.com. For all your FC Dallas, North Texas SC, and U.S. national team gear, they've got everything you want. Check out the large collection of FIFA Women's World Cup jerseys, T-shirts, scarves, whatever you want. Everything you need to represent the U.S. Women's national team at the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Shop SoccerDonday.com and if you use code 30 degree at checkout, you get 20% off your order. Some exclusions do apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to episode... The very naughty, the naughtiest, 222. That's the sexiest number on the books. Episode 222 of Third Degree, the podcast. How appropriate the naughtiest number in all the world has fallen on this particular episode. Hi, it is me, Peter. And talking all things Football Club Dallas with my two buddies. First off, the naughtiest, Dan Crook. Evening, Pete. Uh, how many uh, how many Red Bulls are you this evening? Uh, I just finished watching two episodes of uh, What We Do in the Shadows, so I'm in a good mood. The uh, the old energy seeking vampire, energy energy sapping one. The the bold fellow with the glasses did not. Colin Robertson. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You are full of beans today. Yes, I I'm in season four where Colin Robertson is actually a young teenage boy. Oh. Uh, Who's been Spoiler birthed alert. from the carcass of? Uh, I'm probably spoiling the show for some people. Anyway, <laughs> Me, sorry yeah. about that. I've uh, only seen through the first season. Ah, uh, no, it uh, it's just such good stuff. And I and they just started season five, so I've got a lot of catching up to do. They just did an episode where they uh, participate in a house flipping redesign HGTV show called uh, Flip Yourself. Go flip yourself, and it's very very funny. Anyway, uh, also. Not so naughty, but always as awesome and well loved. Editor, founder of Third Degree, the uh, of uh, Third Degree, the podcast, and the website dot com. Buzz Carrick, come in, Buzz. Uh, Peter, I, I'm not really sure why two twenty two is the naughtiest number, but at this point, I'm afraid to ask. Well, we all know that six 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 is the devil's number. <laughs> okay, uh, so two 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 is the naughtiest number. I'm right. sure it's it's in a it's in a porn book somewhere. Go look it up, Buzz. Okay. All right. Well, here we are, guys. Uh, this is the irony of this particular episode is that Buzz's famous handwritten run sheet, written in red crayon, is the shortest in uh, pod in this podcast's history. And yet, I have a feeling this is going to be the most effed up and longest podcast we've ever done <laughs> because of all that has uh, transpired in the time since we last spoke last week. Yeah. There's. It's it's not a whole lot that's happened, but it's remarkable stuff that's happened. Like every you know the every four things on this list, all four things on this list are are worth a chunk of discussion on their own. So I'm sure we'll have plenty to dig into here. Yeah, I think the headline is that what is about to happen is on Sunday. We don't know the time. I'm assuming it's going to be eight o'clock Sunday night. Is and I and I will argue with anybody about this and don't and listen to this phrase carefully because you don't want to misinterpret this. This is the biggest event in this club's history as Inter Miami and Messi come to town. This is a huge deal, Buzz. Yeah, I don't think there's any question 
that in terms of cultural significance, this is going to be by far the biggest event that's ever happened. You know, it, you could you could claim as a soccer fan, perhaps winning an Open Cup is a big deal. You can claim that getting the MLS Cup is a big deal. But the amount of just cross-cultural uh, a magnitude that we've seen in just even simple ways uh, is making it very clear that this is a different level of hype, a different level of awareness, and a, and a transcendent moment. Uh, I, of course, hope the hunts are capable of taking advantage of it because that hasn't always been the case. Yeah. Dan, you come from another land, and you are a longtime life, uh, lifer fan of a club in Luton Town. Now, Luton has progressed to the Premier League, but let's just say Luton Town was still in the championship or League One, and Messi had joined a Premier League club and was going to come play an FA Cup game at Lansdowne Road. Wait, Kenilworth Road, sorry. Yeah, why would we be in Ireland? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Why would we be in Dublin, Kenilworth Road? And Messi and whatever Premier League club he was playing for was coming to play at Luton Town in Luton, it, that would be the biggest deal in that club's history, would it not? Or am I completely wrong about this? Um, I don't know. Um, I, I think it's a lot different. Um, Europe to North America, just with where the game's been at for the last hundred years. Um, it is a massive, culturally significant event. There has never been an FC Dallas game where Tickets have been going on SeatGeek for $3,000. So that in, in itself uh, tells you that the attention, the eyes on this game, the eyes on Frisco uh, on Sunday are far more than than I've ever known in, you know, yes. uh, sort of 11 years here. So I'm sure, uh, you know, the, the, much, uh, the league being in a much smaller place before then, you could probably say the same, right? Yeah. I just I I just don't know if everybody because uh, I made this statement in a couple of places and people are like no going to MLS Cup is a bigger deal or winning U.S. Open Cups a bigger deal or the very first day of the club is a bigger deal and I'm like no no you're missing the point there's an yeah. opportunity here for this club to really change its uh, its perception in this marketplace. I mean, every single media outlet in this market is talking about FC Dallas and Messi coming to town. Yeah, I think um, when somebody had kind of uh, argued back on on you saying that, I I made the point of Luton Town winning the playoff final is the biggest event in our history. We're a hundred and you know nearly forty year old football club. We've had two dozen years in the top flight. We've been to an FA Cup final. We've beaten Arsenal, at Wembley for for a major cup. We've had more significant events to fans, more meaningful events. But in terms of, you know, you're going to be realistically talking, mentioning Luton Town Football Club on at least a third of the shows until May or June, whenever the season finishes, just because the Premier League. That didn't happen in the Championship. That didn't happen in League One, League Two, didn't happen in the National League. Um, You know, if the different and the similarity to me is Luton has to put up a fight. They have to at least try and stay in the Premier League to keep that attention, to build on it. The same way Dallas has an opportunity to build on this. You have a 
you know, thousands of people who clearly have enough money to buy a season ticket because they're playing more than a season ticket for this one game. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's what do you do with them? Do you, you know, how do you capture their attention and bring them back? How do you make it to a point where, you know, we're not saying, oh, great, six of the first eight games were a sellout. We're saying every single game is a sellout. You can't buy a season ticket because there's a waiting list and they've got to grow the stadium suddenly. Buzz, uh, it, this is a huge opportunity for Dan and Clark Hunt. Uh, do you have any faith whatsoever they're up to the uh, to the opportunity? Um, not particularly, but I don't know that it's necessarily going to be their fault. Um, there's a big group of people in this country that call themselves soccer fans and are passionately excited about a European superstar like Messi coming here that think that Major League Soccer is utter and complete garbage. And those people, now that they have Messi coming to their town, are like, I'm paying $1,000 because this is real and MLS sucks. I don't know that you can make a lot of headway with those people. I don't I don't know, no matter what you do, they're going to walk away from the game thinking Messi's still God and, and MLS still sucks. So I hope that the hunts can manage to make maybe make 10% of those people consider coming back to another game. And if mm-hmm. they do, that's going to be a win in my book because I I've just over the last 26 years of doing this, I've just met boatloads and boatloads of people that just don't give MLS a time of day without ever even watching it. So I don't know that you can get those people to buy in. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm most, I'm not concerned with those people. I, I, I'm more concerned with the kind of middle America people that are kind of like, yeah, I know what this is. I'm somewhat interested and could be swayed <clears throat> in becoming a regular fan of this club because they have an amazing experience Sunday night. And I think if I'm worried about anything about Sunday is can the hunts uh, perv- uh, take the opportunity for example, to hire enough security to make sure ingress and egress out of the facility and the traffic to and from actually flows somewhat cohesively. Can they overstaff the concession stands so that concessions go well? Can we hope that maybe they supply enough bottles of water for everybody who wants to buy one for it to be there? Can they do all of those things to make sure that this is a good game day experience as best as it can in an early August evening when it's going to be 100 degrees on a Sunday night, right? Those are the things that I think the hunts are are responsible for doing and can in a large part make whatever happens on the field Sunday night convert people into being fans of this team because you and I both know Dallas could go out there and absolutely wax the floor with Miami but if everybody all they go back and think about is man getting into the parking lot and out of the parking lot and trying to stand in line in the heat waiting to get in and oh they wouldn't let us bring in water and they also ran out of water is all the things everybody's going to remember out of that. And that's the part to me that I think the hunts are really on the hook for getting right Sunday night. Yeah. And you can compound that by the way, with there's a tournament called the Heineken cup being played at those fields this weekend. Oh no. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it is. Somebody just mentioned it to me. 
So, it's a youth tournament. Yeah, I, I don't know much about it, but I, you obviously do. So oh yeah. no no no, it's not the no no no, it's not a youth tournament. It's the adult summer tournament. It used to be called the Budweiser Cup, and okay. I guess Heineken's sponsoring it now. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so add that to the confluence. Uh, you know, uh, I'm sure Dan's gonna jump in here too, but let's let's remember too that there's gonna be a whole bunch of fans in the casual space who are gonna hear about this game and not get to see it. Uh, you know, it's on Apple TV. It's not on the air locally, you know, so there, there's, it behooves FC Dallas to try and get really good media representation of this game from outside, you know, news organizations, you know, perhaps even um, get a, get really good deliverance of assets to those media outlets afterwards, you know, because people are going to talk about this outside of, you know, even just these ticket prices are going to make people talk about it. And like ticket prices alone are going to make it a news item. So, you know, no such thing as bad publicity, right? So it's on this club to try and take advantage of that however they can. It's not It's not just, as you mentioned, game presentation, which is huge, you know, and traffic and heat and all that stuff, but also just, you know, working the media and the market correctly in a moment of a real spotlight here. That's kind of the problem. Um, think about it, you know, for our, our media credentials, we're applying to uh, Soccer United marketing, to Leagues Cup, to since the uh, the usual season MLS ones on in play. The ticket prices are not set by FC Dallas. The ticket uh, revenue is not coming to FC Dallas. The security is mandated by the league. It sounds like the parking is being dictated by the league. Everything is kind of at their mercy right now. So what FC Dallas can and can't do and things like the deliverance of assets to media is controlled by the league's cup. You know, they have a representative that uh, directs the press conferences. Uh, They have, they're doing a mix zone instead of just going into locker rooms. It's all, it's all so different that they're kind of having to just, it's like the gold cup, right? They just kind of sit there and someone else comes in and runs the stadium for them. Even the scoreboard and the PA announcements are dictated by the competition. Yeah. But isn't that, but, but doesn't that just drive my point home even more that the things that the hunts can control are all the more valuable in this case, if they can't control ticket prices and they can't control the actual presentation of the game, they can control all those other elements and make it as good as possible. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's what can they uh, what can they control because if they if the the competition dictates you have to have this many vendors you can't bring in extra staff or you can't stock them with anything additional they're kind of stuck in a position where they're taking the flack for someone else's decision i will say the thing that most makes me not want to go to games is post game traffic and if they haven't gotten frisco on board with the idea of this game might be pretty big deal they might have a lot of people mad after the game oh for sure yeah yeah. and i always feel like the the traffic issue especially leaving the place is all a byproduct of just not not extensive uh traffic control out on the street you know it's all just kind of left up to hoping people follow certain different paths and stuff and i and i have a feeling that could be managed way better but also means you got to pay the money to have all those guys and women standing out there directing traffic. And I all will the different- say the 4th of July this year was much better. They had some new lanes and some people out there they haven't had before, at least the way I went. Was yeah. Better, so. 
I just I feel like this is a huge opportunity. It's going to be a, a monumentally epic night of importance for this club that people are going to talk about for a long time. It's going to get they're going to get more media attention in the span of four days or five days, whatever it is, yeah. than they probably collectively get over the course of an entire season um, or oh, more. Easily, easily. yeah. 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 Um, there's there's going to be overflow seating for media. They're going to kind of clear out some of the lesser used booths so uh they were talking to some of the staff they were saying they may not even have seats in the in the press box so yeah the media attention is going to be absurd yeah i've heard all kinds of crazy rumors about uh celebrities both local and otherwise attending the games i can't tell you how many times i've been contacted today by a wide range of people i know very well all the way to people i haven't talked to in years asking me if i have access to tickets uh it's i i heard a crazy story from somebody who used to work at the club uh and has not worked at the club in a while who told me that today they got a phone call. They don't even live in the state anymore. They got a phone call from a vendor that they worked with uh, back in 2010 uh, who called and had this person's number on their phone and called and said, hey, do you still work at FC Dallas? And if you do, can you help me get tickets? Yeah, it's been crazy. And my friend couldn't remember who this person was. Yeah. Yeah, that... It reminds me of the days I worked in the NBA when I had people would reach out to me that like were coming to the town that I lived in. They'd be like, "Dude, I haven't talked to you in five or ten years. Why in the world would I give you tickets?" <laughs> oh, yeah, this is going to be the hardest to get ticket in FC Dallas history without question. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and I know that there's a lot of. Um, I understand that there's some uh, drama going on and controversy going on with how the supporters groups tickets were sold. Dan and and I, I a lot of uh, concern about how that's going to play out on Sunday. Do you know what the story is behind that? Um, I mean, it's effectively people that don't have season tickets that weren't able to get tickets. Um, at because they don't of, have season tickets, they just buy the tickets on a, ga- a game by game basis. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, there was FC Dallas has definitely fought for everything they've had in this. Um, that the package that was uh, offered to season ticket holders where if they renewed, they would get the option to buy $25 tickets for each round of the League's Cup. Uh, that's that's paid dividends for some people. Uh, the delivery of it was a little bit aggressive, but, um, you know, the values worked out considering, uh, you know, those same seats were $99 uh, on the pre-sale and, you know, now we're going for $900 on resale. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tough part, right? It's, I think with the supporters groups, there's a lot of people that aren't season ticket holders. And and this is just kind of the stark reality of, of every level. Um, again, during a comparison to Luton, people who aren't season ticket holders aren't going to be at Brighton at the first game because all the tickets were taken up by season ticket holders because that was kind of their right. It was the same at Wembley for the cup final. Season ticket holders got the first priority, as as they should. They're the people whose money dictates the team's budget in the first place. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a tough situation, but I mean, there's no, I don't, it, it's kind of unavoidable. 
I was really, I thought it was a great thing that the club decided to make it available first to season ticket holders, family members of club uh, players, uh, staff members. I always, I thought that was a great fringe benefit to people who have, you know, uh, put their loyalty towards the club. And I thought that was a, a smart way to go about it, Buzz. Yeah, I, I think they did. They, in, in hindsight, they did about the best they could. You know, I, I, I was a little bit, I don't know if shady is the right word, that, that you had to buy the whole League's Cup if you wanted to get right. this ticket. That part was a little whatever. But I do like that, you know, if you did buy that, the ticket for this game really was what you were buying for most people. Uh, you did get a shot as a season ticket holder to get these extra tickets if you wanted. Granted, it was the astronomical updated price but <laughs> and not the $25 that my seat was for this game but and I guess that was the benefit of buying that whole little package is you got every game for $25 so you know it was it was absolutely worth it doing it in hindsight given how expensive this particular game has become not just at face value but in the in the market so yeah they, you know in hindsight it probably is about as good as they did I, I still think the messaging was poor and how they did it you know, and they maybe didn't articulate really well to their fans what exactly was going on and what you were paying for or what you were getting. It's a shame. They fought tooth and nail to give people a good price with the, the organizers. And then, yeah, the phrasing of it was just, hey, here's a knife to your throat. Pay your money now. <laughs> they probably didn't want to mention how expensive this game was going to be ahead of time. Right. But if you had communicated that to people, people would have been ecstatic about buying this whole league's cup package i think if they'd have known what they were really getting you know and, and but maybe you don't want to let out in advance that the messy tickets are going to be 200 bucks at a minimum you know so well i think the other problem is is that the idea that this game was ever really going to happen seemed like such a far-fetched concept like yeah. it was such a weird alignment of stars <laughs> to make this happen uh i mean we're such in a weird space from just what a month ago where we were thinking, well, we're never going to get to see Messi come play in mm -hmm. Dallas because of the way the schedule has, has fallen together to now it literally being his first road game as a player for Miami. I mean, it's bonkers how quickly this has changed. Yeah. And, and to go back a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was a month ago when we raised the idea that like, dude, you could sell out AT&T or the Cotton Bowl. I right. think the, the, the hype that we're seeing now, it, clearly that was true. We were right about that. That I mean, obviously we know why they can't, but you know, they easily, based on the amount of requests I'm seeing and demand I'm seeing, have sold out either one of those facilities without a problem. Yeah, and just for people who didn't listen, the, the, the argument as to why they couldn't have done it is an AT&T stadium just can't be converted that quickly because it doesn't have a grass surface. And plus the field's too small anyway, frankly, for an, a game that counts uh, for something in my head. I guess they've played Gold Cup games. Uh, the Cotton Bowl is another story. I don't know what the status of the Cotton Bowl is, but I don't know what the logistics are for renting it on a uh uh as as an as, an, as on the potential of needing it I, that's the part that i think makes that almost yeah. impossible right well that and as dan's i think probably was trying to say is that we don't think they can get out of the contract and not play their games at toyo stadium is the, the, yeah. the uh. their updated contract is supposed to be like it is you know they used to be able to go off to different college stadiums for, for Open Cup. And it sounds like what they've got now is they're locked they have in to play all their games there. Frisco. 
Yeah, well, that makes sense. And look, just uh, as a, as somebody who's been a fan of this team since day one, the idea that the greatest player ever, or at least of our modern time, is coming to play in a competitive game against my club, I want them to play in, in our stadium. I just yeah. I realize it's 20,000 instead of 80,000, but I just think that makes this all the more special, and I think it's going to be... I know there's a lot of people really worried that this is going to be dominated by uh, interlopers and little kids who just love Messi, but I think the atmosphere is going to be amazing Sunday night, and I think we, I, I hope more people are looking forward to this than some of the stuff I've seen on Buzz's Discord and on Twitter and other social media where people seem to be like fretting that this is happening. I just don't understand that line of thinking. It's just so weird to me. Well, if you're getting squeezed out of your normal thing and missing out on your normal thing because somebody else wants to come in and spend crap tons of money, I, I can I can understand that feeling. You know, I mean that's that's. I, I don't, don't know what that, you mean. Why would you get squeezed out? Well, well, if you're a supporter, for example, and you're a big part of the atmosphere that happens, and you just don't happen to be a season ticket holder, oh, you might I feel see what you're you mean. squeezed out. Ah, I mean, yeah, like, no, I go okay. Based Fair on enough. what I'm seeing, the supporter section is only going to have like two rows of actual supporters in it, and the rest of it's been sold to non-supporters club people. You know, so the supporter section wasn't the supporter section was was not was not a section that was given up for a general sale that was one that was kind of put aside for four people on the season ticket list who kind of could buy extra tickets with their package well you're still going to end up with a good ch chunk of people that are normally there oh, yeah. and normally big part of the supporters club not being able to be there and i'm sure that's yeah. true all through the stadium there are probably lots of people that feel like this is their ball of wax and all of a sudden, there's all these people, these interlopers, these Johnny-come-latelys that are taking all the tickets. You know, I, I, I just, I, I can understand that feeling. I, I'm not saying that maybe yeah. in a big picture, you know, we should sit back and say, you know, what a moment this is, even if we're not going to be there. You know, it, it still should be recognized as a big moment. But I totally get the vibe of like, this is my ball game you're taking away from me for this particular yeah, game. Yeah. Okay. I'm, you know. I'm glad that the. FC Dallas messaging is, has said like, you know, no Messi, no Miami, no Argentina, no Barcelona, no whatever in the supporters section because that, you know, we've already seen the the videos of the Arsenal-Man United game where the Arsenal fans started fighting each other. The little, you know, Euro snobs don't actually like things that aren't a TV show. Well, what's this live thing with a round ball in front of me? Experience, you know, so... You know, the supporters section is kind of that safe space for fans to, to be fans. Yeah. Look at it this way. The game we just watched had 6,000 people there. I know. That's the funny thing <laughs> to me is is watching the, the you know, these last few games and the stadium has been absolutely empty. And suddenly in this exact same tournament, it's going to be the polar opposite. And that's really yeah. funny to me. Uh, that That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. If, if somebody that's listening to this is somebody that has been squeezed out because they couldn't afford to go to the game or couldn't afford to buy into the ticket package or have a friend that was buying the package that could get extra tickets, uh, my, you know, I feel terrible for you. That's, that's not cool at all. Um, I just, you know, I, I hope, I hope this turns out to be a magical night for everybody uh, because I, th I think that's the kind of level of potential this thing has uh, for the club. It's a, I mean, yeah, the, the, 
the global popularity of this one guy is off the charts. He may be the most popular human being or most well-known human on the planet. And he's coming to play a competitive game against our club on a Sunday night. And that just has never happened before. Yep. And uh, we don't know the kickoff time. I think we're all assuming it's going to be eight o'clock. Dan, have you heard any kind of scuttlebutt about that? Uh, Eight or seven thirty-one, the bias. Yeah, Buzz. I'm sorry, you're not going to be there for that. Well, that's okay, man. I'm I'm on vacation. Like I said, I've seen him before, and I was happy to share my ticket with you. So yes, well, that's a whole story unto itself. Um, (laughs) Maybe later. (laughs) Yeah, maybe later. We won't chew up any more time with that. But Yeah. um, yeah. Uh, okay, so lots of other news. Uh, the big other headline is the thing that kind of threw us all for a massive loop last night. After the game, I don't remember who it was. Somebody said it in the Discord, or I saw it tweeted somewhere. Somebody said, anybody know why Edwin Cerillo was crying on the field after the game? And I was like, oh, no, did something bad happen? Did he get hurt, and that's why he didn't play, or what going on? Buzz? What in the world? Edwin Cerillo has been traded to the yeah. LA Galaxy for 600 good jabronis or whatever they yeah, call jabronis. it. Yeah, yeah. jabronis, yeah. Technically, it's 200 and then 400 based on incentives. So, Oh, okay. That, that makes much makes more sense. Makes much more sense, does it not? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, well, listen, Edwin is, was emotional last night because it is his boyhood club and all that stuff. Um, I'm sure he either found out in during the game or somebody said, you know, maybe it was some of the players said afterwards or something to him. I, I understand he and Jesus had a moment. Um, I, I reached out to people I know today that know him. Uh, and apparently he's very okay with this whole thing. You know, I, I told you guys, everybody, that he had turned down some initial offers from the club. You know, and so his contract was ending at the end of this season. So it's not surprising if you follow sports long enough, you know how this works sometimes when you have a player nearing the end of their contract and they're not necessarily getting anywhere with the negotiations. Often you try and get something for them beforehand. We've also talked lots and lots about how this club could upgrade that position. You know, and Edwin, as much as anybody can, I, I think I'm going to put words in his mouth here on this one because I think the younger guys can all see that this coach currently likes older players. So, you know, I don't think it's going to bother him too much to get a, a new fresh start somewhere else. You know, he probably was a guy who had reached about as far as he was going to under the current coach here. And so a, a new start probably is good for him. You know, maybe it's a club that yeah. will invest in him. You would assume when you trade for a guy that they would probably try and put a new contract in place for him so that they don't spend money on him and have him walk away in six months, not six months. Yeah. Six months. You know um, I assume that they'll probably try and play him fairly quickly too. So, uh, you know, good fresh start for him and a decent chunk of money, 200 gam for him on base with incentives if he continues to play. You know, he's got the talent to be, you know, a solid contributor to a team in this league for the next decade. So, you know, hopefully the, those incentives are based on number of performances and there's even a sell on percentage I think I saw in there. So, you know, I, I think it's OK to move him on. You know, I don't. I don't think it's a problem. I think he's probably content. I think the club's probably content. Well, we all wondered when we started seeing the news that they were selling off uh, one of the few parts that they have in the center of the midfield. They're like, okay, we're all just going to uh, trust that somebody was coming in, and sure enough, somebody is coming in, and they're making a big deal out of his resume. When 
I thought it was funny when uh, the Twitter account said, if this gets retweeted 24 times, we'll sign a Champions League Cup winner. And I thought, okay, that could mean a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, You could post a picture of a really, really old effer on here, and I'm not going to be super excited about it. But no, we are getting former La Liga, Real Madrid, and other Spanish team uh, holding midfielder. Uh, Asier, e, e, God, damn it, I was going to get it right. Dang it. Ia yeah. Ramendi. <laughs> Ira Ramendi. So, uh, all right, I got it okay on the second time. Uh, and I, and here's the deal. I think I've heard of him before. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't tell you anything about his game other than the fact that he's 33 years old. Messi's 36, y'all. Hey. Yeah. He's banged in goals left and right. So, right. uh, Buzz, what's your uh, feeling and vibe about uh, Mr. Ia Ramendi? Yeah, there, there's a lot to talk about. Um, you know, a guy that plays damn near 300 games in La Liga, um, you know, with Champions League skins on his belt, that's a legit resume for sure. Um, but you remember the red flag is that just last week we were talking about the kinds of players Dallas has done well with and the kinds that have not. And the kinds they've done well with are these South American diamonds in the rough kind of guys and not European retreads that are in their mid-30s. So red flag is that... Chad Deering. Chad oh, Deering. <laughs> well, Chad Deering was in his 30s when he came back here. He was, he played in the World Cup and came back here. Was he not in his 30s when he... No, no. Was he not 30 yet? Okay. No, All right. no. You know, so, yes, as always, we will wait and see what he looks like. I'll Hopefully, I'll see him at practice We'll watch him on the field, and then we'll actually judge him. You know, I I love the resume. I love the potential for um, teaching. You know, of of mentality and professionalism. And by the way, there is a young six on this roster other than Edwin Cirillo, and that's Nolan Norris. So don't forget that. I know. Yeah. So you know, you don't. The, the real the positive upsides of this, and I'm not talking about the player, I'm just talking about the move, is that he's only signed through the rest of this season with an option for next year. So this is kicking the tires on a dude. Does he have anything left? Right. Is he interested? Yeah. Is is he coming here for a vacation or is he actually going to play? Is he any better than Facundo? Because Facundo's deal is up. Uh, he may or may not have options, but his main contract is up. I don't think he has an option, but it's possible he does. Um, they're not really good about publicizing all that stuff. So you have a, the rest of this season basically to decide. You, you don't likely want two 30-year-old central mids, uh, sixes, on probably roughly the same kind of money. I imagine they're both going to be – I mean, Facundo we know is above the DP line as a buy-down. Again, why you wanted some money with Edwin. And this new guy presumably is also going to be the same boat. He's not going to be a DP – I, I can't imagine. So next year's deal will be the one we care more about is like, what kind of hit is it? You know, is it a buy down too? It probably is. So those are those players in, in, in not at, without looking at how they play, just looking at how they fit in the league. They're the same player. So you don't want both of them. You want one guy like that. And you want one guy that's young. Maybe it's not Norris. Maybe it's somebody else. You know, we'll see. So, They've not locked themselves. This is a mistake they've made with other dudes. They were locked them in for three years. They didn't lock themselves into this guy. So this is a really good roll of the dice. It's a kick of the tires. If he comes in and he outplays Facundo, great. Pick up the option. Say thanks, Facundo. You know, it, it gives you a guy that's going to press Facundo. 
even harder than Eblen clearly had not been the last month or two. So if he's better than Facundo, we'll see a bunch of them. If he's not, they'll just ride Facundo the rest of the way in this guy. Or Nolan will spell him if you know what happens. So, all right. So let me before we start poking a bunch of holes in this, I want to look yeah. at it from the what I'm trying to do is is see the potential and opportunity in this signing because right. one of the things I think we learned about Facundo is is that Facundo played better when he had Cerio next to him when he wasn't asked to do all of the six work solo. Yeah. Is that do we agree on that, Buzz? Yeah, much better in a double pivot. Yeah. Right. Okay. So is is and with uh, end of late what. What has happened with this team is that we've seen kind of a change for the better in Alan Velasco in this more central playing position. Yep. Can we also agree on that? Yeah, for sure. All right. So is, am I stretching it to think of the possibility that what they're thinking about here is pairing these two slightly older holding sixes in a double pivot and letting Alan play in front of them? Maybe. Um, coach definitely liked the double for sure, but he's natively a single guy, the four, three, three, that's what he wants to really do. And remember that this, the Allen's explosion, uh, particularly in this league's cup has coincided with legit returning to form. And if you, if you put Allen on an Island with two sixes behind him, maybe all of a sudden he's the focus again, and maybe he's not getting free again. Whereas if you're going with a single, you know, mm -hmm. you have a reborn legit and you have uh, Allen both making these splitting passes and getting guys free yeah. playing this slashing style that they even in the last game, they even did it with the ball, which is amazing. We don't, we haven't seen that before. So the trick here, I think, while I don't think it's totally unlikely that you're looking at from time to time, for sure, a double pivot, and maybe we'll see some of that too. I think it's more likely they're looking for a six who can cover a little more ground and be a better progressive passer and dribbler than Facundo and do some things more like, um, not to be totally cliched, but more like Busquets does, where Busquets makes these passes out of that deep position. And then you don't have to run a double pivot from back there. You can run a single and you don't need a playmaking eight in a deep position when you put Paxton back there next to one of those guys or put Legette deep next to one of those guys. So, um, a lot of the questions about how they're going to use him will be determined when he actually shows up. Cause I imagine it'll take him a week or two you know, to get that visa and actually get in here. Um, so, you know, it, the league's couple will probably be over <laughs> by the time he's available. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to see how it fits in. Hey, he's two years younger than Busquets. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, you can, <laughs> Busquets is a great example of you can be a, spectacularly world-class six without running all that much. If you can read the game and have so far advanced the game like he did. Now, granted, he's a one-of-a-kind, Busquets is, but there are other guys that play like that. I, I would point it like a Kyle Beckerman never did all that much running, you know, side-to-side, side, yes, but not like vertically forward. You know, you can be a really good player by not going crazy out of that position just by getting in the right place at the right time reading the game and making small, simple moves and passes and touches. You know, if this guy's got any of that, um, you know, and look, resume alone, if you if you took their names off the pages and you held up Facundo's resume and you held up um, this guy's resume, I'm not to work on his name, he would you would pick this guy every time. You know, but if you add that he's 33 instead of 30, 
maybe we'll see. But then Facundo's not particularly mobile, so it's not you're not you don't have to be a whole lot very mobile at all to be just as good as Facundo in terms of your mobility. So I mean, I'm hoping that he's going to come in and just outplay Facundo and solve this problem for you. You know, either way you look at it, you know, if this guy is sticking around or if Facundo's sticking around, those two dudes are probably looking at a season or two at most. You know, so that's basically just one. You know, next year is year three, and then the year after that is year four for this coach. So they're not thinking much past this current cycle of how long can you hold on to Jesus, you know? So this is a short-term move for sure. All right, but Buzz, I haven't, you haven't actually stated the question I think everybody listening to this wants to hear from you is, oh. do you like this move? But the pairing of the moves, selling Edwin and getting this older guy yeah, with the resume. I do. Um, I Listen, I'm a, I'm a huge Edwin fan. I would have started Edwin in front of Facundo the entire year, You've but said only that because of, yeah, only because of his age. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of players in their 30s. But if you if you know if you look at a guy like Edwin who was clearly sort of plateauing here in terms of what he was gonna the opportunities he was gonna get, and his deal was running out, and you managed to get something for him, and now you've got a guy that's got a deal that won't handicap you. Because it really is, you can just do it for six months and then let him go if it's not working. So there's both those things are smart. I like smart moves. You know, I don't like dumb moves. So if he doesn't pan out, it's fine. It's no big deal because the 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 the, the decision making behind it was solid and they haven't handcuffed themselves. So I like it. If it turns out he can actually play even better, you know. <laughs> So, so that would be a nice, yeah, a, a nice cherry on top. It, it, it would be a nice cherry, but like they, at least they haven't made it worse. You know, like sometimes in the past, they've done moves that made this team worse. Like, I think you can't question that when you went from Carlos Grezzo to Tiago Santos to Facundo Quinone, you made this club worse. Well, sign this guy well, didn't make it worse. Uh, <laughs> it is know. still TBD. He could show up and absolutely suck. He could, but you he could wilt you in the heat Fikundu. and be terrible. At least you want a Facundo, so it ain't going to be worse. Yeah. You know, you can, you can stick Paxton in there for a thing. You can stick Nolan in there. You know, this guy I'm sure can run around for 20 minutes if you have to. You know, it's it's me fine. You know, it's not going to cost you a cup. Like, you're not building for a cup this year anyway. But we've talked about the need for an elite six. If this guy still has MLS version of an elite six in him, I mean, look at uh, Jao Paulo with Seattle. Isn't he like 36 also? A guy I absolutely love, and he's still getting it done. So, you know, when you take Messi and you drop him down to – you take him from the major leagues down to double A. You're taking this guy from La Liga down to double A. He might look still pretty good at double A. We're going to see, you know, I mean, I hope so, hopefully. So on paper, yeah, I like it. I think it's good. It's not, it's not a guy I want to spend a whole boatload of money on and invest in for like six or seven years. But for now and on a short term, I'm okay with it. All right, Dan, you're the European on this podcast. Why don't you give us the full download and scouting report on the guy? Because I'm sure you're very familiar with him. Uh, not really. No. Um, I mean, you just kind of look at the face of it, right? You played 31 games last year. For, yeah, Apollo's uh, 32, Buzz, by the way. Sorry. Oh, all right. Well, same diff. Yeah, Sorry, played, uh, 30, played 31 games last year with a team that uh, Real Sociedad that qualified for the Champions League. That is uh, positive. Um, Previously, a 32.2 million euro buy for Real Madrid uh, at a time where they were kind of dominating Europe. That means he has to be pretty good with the ball at his feet. Um, 
he was in a position where I think only N'Golo Kante had more interceptions than him among midfielders in all of Europe. Uh, you know, that's a pretty pretty good place to, to go second to. That's good and company, yeah. His, yeah, and when you look at his passing, his tackling, I mean, is, is he... Is he elite? No, but um, you know he's he's a very high level. He's a guy that was sought after by uh, teams that are in the Europa League this year after leaving uh, Real Sociedad in the summer. Um, he wanted the lifestyle choice, so here he is. Um, one thing we don't know: he obviously wasn't with a team in preseason um, on contract, at least. So. Did he train with anyone? Is he kind of in shape to come over and just immediately get into a game? If not, does he need a preseason? You know, suddenly you're looking at, you know, nearly the playoffs before he's ready, if that's the case. Yeah, there's definitely questions, Peter. You know, you're not you're not signing the guy for six months with an option if there's not lots of questions. Yeah. You know, uh, there's just, there's a whole lot of, things that make it seem like it might be good. And there's a couple of things that make it seem like red flags. So, you know, again, a little bit of a dead horse on this part. We're going to have to just see, you know, we'll see if he can play. We'll watch him in training and see what he looks like. You know, you don't have to be that good, in my opinion, to be better than Facundo, even though Facundo's having a really good year. <laughs> so for him, he is. So that that leads me to where we start to pressure test and poke holes and ask questions about this, which is with all of the transfer window action that has taken place across the league and all of the money and transfer fees that has been spent by numerous clubs across this, this continues to be the soft spot for the hunts, which is their real uh, displeasure in spending transfer fee dollars yeah. And, and out of an entire globe of holding midfielders, the answer is a 32-year-old guy out of contract uh, who didn't cost you any money other than what you're paying him directly. And I think that's the part where unless he shows up and just turns out to be a baller, uh, I think can be a bit frustrating as a fan of the club. Yeah. Well, I think I did a pretty good job last podcast explaining how they are out of uh, – Way, uh, what's the word? Tools to to do some of these things. Um, you know, there are players that you could get rid of, but they don't really have the the availability to make acquisitions. Um, you know, other than getting guys on freeze. So you know, if you if you set your club up where you have, you know, a big pile of money waiting around for some incredible world superstars to come available on a free, then you can really do some crazy crap. You know, like if, if you can wait till Mbappe comes off the end of his deal next year and you had a big old pile of money sitting there and he was like, yeah, sweet, coming in the last. Hey, that's great. But you can't afford to pay, buy him for like $300 million. You know, so the the thing with FC Dallas is that they haven't, they've sort of, they sort of, uh, not to be gross, shot their wad on Areola <laughs> and LeJet. <laughs> they paid a lot of money to get those guys and then they paid – Thank God you didn't mean to be gross about that, Buzz. I appreciate that warning. (laughs) Well, it is an expression. I know. (laughs) Uh, You know, they they paid a lot of money to get those guys and then up their contracts by a big chunk, you know, and then they rolled the dice on Jimenez. Now, granted, they're not, Jimenez didn't cost him anything this year, but he will next year. 
that's a problem for this winter to figure out. So, but they have a DP sp- spot they could create if no, they really wanted to. Th- they don't. I thought that you said you, they could buy one of those guys down. They, well, they you Ariola is a DP, so okay. he's the third DP. So he's the one that hypothetically you could uh, buy down. But it takes like a million dollars in GAM, and I just explained to you they don't have a million dollars in GAM. So yeah, yes, there are mechanics by which they could clear a space. They don't have the assets to clear that space. You'd have to do something like trade Velasco for three million GAM. Now I can buy down another DP. I can buy down two DPs and have can no we DPs. Sell Hot Air Obreon for any kind of GAM. Well, if you think a player sucks, so does everybody else. <laughs> it's like people Damn always want people fans always want to do these <laughs> trades where it's like I'm going to send you. You know, the ball boy for Dirk Nowitzki. And you're like, no, no one's doing that. Like, so no one's going to buy Obreon from you for a bunch of money. Didn't the Galaxy take uh, Michael Barrios for a sack of flour? Yeah, for 50K for like a bag of flour. I mean, so (laughs) you can clear roster, but you can't clear roster and get enough money back to actually buy Paul Ariola down. Damn it, Buzz. Quit being reasonable. I know. I, well, people get mad about SC Dallas not doing anything, and I think it sucks too. I want them to do something cool, but I'm aware of how the mechanics of the league works, and I'm aware of why they can't. You know, Now, if you want to have a discussion about why the Hunts choose to have three DPs all on 1.5 million rather than one, on, one of them on 15 million or 70 million, that's a conversation that's very short because you know the hunts. You've been million. here. Whatever Clark, he's on. Clark doesn't pay Dan $70 million. Yeah, he doesn't pay <laughs> Mahomes $70 million. I'm how just much saying. Money you think, how much money do you think Clark pays Dan a year? Oh, uh, who knows? Little uh, little brother money? Well, probably like, I, I mean, not to get off topic, but I would assume like that whatever he gets quote unquote paid to be president is in line with what you would pay a president. Yeah, because well, that job existed before he did it, you know, and <laughs> and somebody else may have to eventually do it someday. So you don't want to pay him like thirty million dollars under the table because then you you know that's a different that's a meaningless conversation. But you get my point. Like yes. you could be critical of hey when you get a because they only get DPS that are DPS that are within the viable down range if you have a bullet of gam. They used to have a bullet of gam. They spent it all getting these guys building this roster this this quote solid roster with with all the pieces are playing well is pretty good. So, you know, it's they've 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 made their bed. They're kind of stuck with it for a little bit until they get more gam in from selling some kids or from um well you get some from missing the playoffs. You you'll get some from Edwin just now. You're probably not getting any from Reynolds, but you might get some from Richards. You know, it just depends on how it goes. You know, you got to build up and get some more going. <laughs> Uh, all right. So the next part of this that I want to pressure test, uh, I want to poke on or whatever, you know, maybe sound like I'm being critical is, is it not continue to be confusing that this club seemingly over the course of, well, I guess it's since Nico has taken over the reins as the manager has gotten away from the play the kids mantra that has made this team Mm -hmm. what it is today. Yeah, we've, we've had this discussion earlier this year, this idea that is Nico the wrong coach for this team because of the fact that the Hunts are have traditionally been so married to the academy pathway. But, you know, they kind of, we, we have also talked about the, this basically like the Paxton to 
03, the 99 to 03 may end up being like the golden years of incredible production that you're never going to see that high again. And right now, we're, other than Antonio, we're in a little bit of a lull. You've seen, you know, you, you, there was a little bit of a gap where you didn't have anybody come through and stay. You sold them all. And so now you have your next couple of guys, uh, Tarek Scott and Nolan Norris, but they're going to take a little bit just like Pax and those other guys did. So there's a little bit of that part of the, the gaps of your own making. Don't get me wrong. They did it to themselves. So because they sold everybody they could possibly sell. Yeah. Um, except for Jesus, who's next, right? So it, once they figured out that selling was really, really important part of what they were doing for them, that meant you weren't going to have this dream happen of this homegrown 11 in the, in the MLS Cup. Well, at that point, you can either try and band-aid it together with a bunch of kids who aren't ready yet, or you can do what Nico's doing, which is like the one or two you didn't sell, plus a, guy, a bunch of guys that are late in their career, basically. And then one or two sprinkled in, you know, like Marco Farfan's pretty young, Paz is pretty young, you know. Uh, and the nice thing is that despite the fact that they've signed some old guys, they don't necessarily rely heavily on those old guys. Junka, who's new, is young. Tafari is 27. You know, Martinez is getting up there, but he was 28 when he got here, right? I mean, Ibiaga is maybe a little older. So, like, the older pieces they've gotten have mostly been backups. Jimenez is a backup, you know? It's like they're, mm-hmm. not, they're not rolling out, like, this team of 30-year-olds. You know, they're not also not rolling out a team of 20-year-olds either anymore. You know, yeah. it's it's got – Nico wants these guys that are between 26 and 30, it, it appears, with occasional 32s and occasional 20s. So it's just not a whole bunch of teenagers anymore like it was for a couple of years under Lucci. Dan, I want to stop and give you an opportunity to interject here because uh, I feel like Dan and – I mean uh, – I've been prowling. Have been dominating this conversation, and I want your insight, sir. Into playing the kids? Whatever the signing of an older guy or the Castillo situation, not playing the kids anymore, the frustration of how the hunts spend well, their money, whatever we just talked about. Well, I mean, you know, you can talk about the frustration of the hunts spending money and mechanisms. Ultimately, you know, their remit is they're going to spend money if they can get money back. Alan Velasco, they spent eight million because that's a guy who they could see get, getting fifteen million from. If they're not going to do that for a 28-year-old or a 26-year-old, they're going to do that for a young guy where they can make a few bucks off it. So, I mean, that's that's just the reality of who they are. Their, their business model is part and parcel of the territory. Um, as far as, like, the player kids and Edwin Sirio, Sirio has not been good this season. He has been massively outplayed by Facundo, which isn't really saying a ton. Faku was phenomenal yesterday, but he's still not been brilliant. He's still certainly not been an $800,000 player. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a position that you haven't had a, a true starter level player in for a couple of years. So I guess if the opportunity comes to, to get a guy of a certain pedigree who may fill a gap, be a stopgap for, for a moment while you bring someone else through, then, hey, take the risk, right? And that, that kind of goes for all the positions. Paxton's not been very good. He was, I would dare say, his sub-appearance yesterday was actually detrimental to the team. Um, it's just, whether it's 
the you know Nico style or whatever the the young guys really haven't been other than Jesus um the, the younger guys just haven't really thrived they haven't really put themselves in positions to thrive Okay, well, it feels like a good time for us to move on to the actual result of the game last night, which is Mazatlan comes to town. I, my, I'm not a big Liga MX guy, but I think I know enough to know that Mazatlan isn't exactly one of the powerhouses of the Mexican League. Uh, they had had enough uh, performances in this tournament to get to this stage. Uh, last night was an interesting performance buzz because we saw some really good attacking play. We saw the return of Legette, who continues to kind of grow in my eyes and in, in, in kind of finding his form. Alan Velasco is starting to regenerate into something that is interesting. Uh, and then on the flip side, you've got the continuous frustration of Martinez in the back and in, in just the reality that he's just a mistake waiting to happen and then the most frustrating player that i think i've ever recalled in a dallas shirt Ooh. is hot air obreon and i was trying to think am i forgetting somebody that's more frustrating as a fan than that guy well roland wall was for me but yeah I, everyone's taste is different maybe this is recency bias on my part i mean he's pretty frustrating i'll give you that you know and he was in such a good space not that long ago it was weird how yeah. he's just turned that he went from an off switch to an on switch and now it's back off again yeah he did it to himself too. Off. go down i was just saying one game off did it you know he was in that great form got himself suspended sat that one game and just turned to shit. yeah yeah and then got that extra by his own knuckleheadness so, Buzz, what would you? How would you? Um, uh, let's just kind of go through the game. I mean, obviously, it's a fantastic result, and some really nice things came out of it. I'm interested in your kind of point of view, other than what we heard from your instant reaction video last night. Well, number or one, this morning, I mean, yeah, number one, Sam Junka can hit a banger of an own goal. That's <laughs> <laughs> the second time he's hit an absolute cracker of an own goal. Um, I, well, in all seriousness, own goal aside, and sometimes you just got to go for balls and block them, but um, I thought he played pretty well filling in for Farfan. So anytime they need to roll him out there, I have no problems with that at all. Um, I think often he's actually outplayed um, Jesus, Giovanni Jesus on the right as well, for that matter. Um, hopefully we'll see Tuomasi back and healthy since he's a better defensive option than, than uh, Giovanni for some of these um, uh, road games that they have. Uh, if not at home. I, I really liked Paz's performance, which I mentioned in the three things. I also mentioned in the three things. Um, it, it's not just that the Velasco Legette thing is working well. It's that last night they were able to do it while dominating possession because usually they can only do it in transition when the other team has the ball uh, a, a good bit and they're able to turn them over and get at them in a hurry and catch them napping. Well, they were able to do that just an open play. So you you got that, that slashing, swashbuckling style that looks so good uh, with the Pirate King up there um, and leading the line. Uh, that was really exciting. And several people asked me, like, because uh, Jesus did a really nice job assisting and passing in this game, you know, when he had moved out of the center channel, you know, oh, should we just make him a 10 or whatever? And, and the answer to that is no, absolutely not. That's quintessential false nine play. You know, some days you're false nine and you're moving and creating space and you're getting back into that space. Sometimes somebody else is getting back into that space and you're passing to them. 
Um, and that's what was happening in this game in particular, is that people were taking advantage of Jesus' vacated space. Uh, again, quintessential false line play. That he's doing exactly what you want to do it. You don't want to change a thing with that. That's working really well. The change you want to make um, is that you want to, in my opinion now, is bench O'Brien for um, Ansa. I think Ansa is a smarter player. And again, that's something that drives you crazy, Peter, I know, is that you watch O'Brien make these terrible decisions. He doesn't know where he is on the field. He loses track of his position, and he doesn't combine well or correctly. Um, and Ansa does both those things better, and he can get to the ball with his head. So I'm ready to start Ansa on the left over there for O'Brien. Camugo is still doing really good things. You can see that he's still raw in a lot of phases. Um, he's got so much potential, though. You know, as long as Paul is still recovering, I'm okay with Camungo continuing. There will be a point at which Paul's going to be the better choice. You know, but Paul's not there physically yet. But so in the meantime, Camungo's fine. You know, Camungo's going to be one that's going to really explode in a couple of years. Not now. Now is now is a bonus. Now is nice, but it's not. It's a good story, but it's not what you want. There's still too much rawness there to really be elite with him so far. Um, other And that's really it. I mean, it's like it's going really well. Oh, center back. I, I'm with you. I don't think – I think Martinez will only play now in a rotational capacity. I think it's Ibiaga and, um, and Tafari all the way, and that you'll just spell them with Martinez. He'll get spot starts. He'll get end-of-game – things to keep it all fresh but i think it's clear now that those other two guys are the choices you don't think martinez starts just based on his spanish league experience on oh, sunday oh against messi <laughs> <laughs> is he going to be the only guy on the field that has played against messi in his career before played uh, with with yeah barcelona oh i thought maybe he played against him when he after he left barcelona he did yeah he played against him for um Girona. yeah because I, I just want to, I'm just going to throw this out here. Uh, there's another player that I'm kind of surprised I've become more and more frustrated with as this season has gone on, and that's Defari. And yeah. last night, I, you know, he, a lot of what happened in the last ten minutes of that game was Nikosi just flipping the switch off in the box. I mean, there was one sequence of passes where Tafari just let his mark run right past him into the box and was just purely lucky the cross wasn't very good. There were a couple things and then and then the I the thing that I found most maddening buzz was in the la, in the injury time this team in general looked like it was playing with its food. Yeah. It was in a real danger of giving up the lead. And Tafari in particular was like trying to ping 60-yard balls into space when all they had to do is just retain possession for another two or three minutes. And yeah. I and I and I know he's young and I know he's learning on the fly, but I, I that's kind of stuff that he was doing in the first year. It's the kind of stuff I'm kinda I'm hoping he stops doing today. <laughs> well, I think Dan's right. I think Paxton and um it uh, uh, Siki and Sebling, um killed the possession for Dallas. You know, they were also being more conservative as a group, you know, just by nature that happens, but they were sitting off too much and they were letting um, Mazelton get um, Mazatlan. Mazatlan. Sorry. I, I, I always want to say Mazeltov <laughs> or, or Malazan, which is a book series. Um, <laughs> Mazatlan uh, get too much possession and get a lot of long range, good long range shots, uncontested long range shots. Uh, so I, I actually think it was the midfield that went fell apart, not the Boy, defense. Did it. Yeah, it wasn't good. Um, 
uh, the the thing the other thing with Nikarsi too is I think that he he tends to be the um, a bit of a antagonizer, you know, uh, uh, kind of get in your head kind of guy. Well, the 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 Mexican teams are really really good at that, and I think like he has against a couple of Mexican teams he hasn't looked super composed. You know, he looks like he's gotten it back as much as he's given it, and that kind of has cost him a little bit of composure and a little bit of late game stability. Um, I think that that's actually a good thing that he's experiencing this league's cup. Actually, uh, I think playing these Mexican teams will do more for him than it will for almost anybody on the field. Um, the problem with sticking with Martinez, I think, and I actually think that you probably, you know, rested Tafari and Ibiaga the last two games, knowing that this game was coming potentially because, um, they still have Joseph Martinez who still is a handful. Oh, um, yeah. and they have a couple other guys that are handfuls that other than Messi. You know, forget about Messi running at you. Messi running at you is a problem for, you know, your your six trying to help you. Now, remember, a lot of teams have tried to exploit that gap between the left back and the left center back when it's been Martinez. We've seen that a lot. A lot of teams go out that gap because Martinez isn't quick enough. Um, so I really think you've got to stick with Nikosi because he's the only one that can play left center back with enough pace to deal with that. So uh, it's going to be a big, a big job for – Dallas, because you you have to admit that between Busquets and Messi, there's an, an absolute boatload of international super smarts in soccer on, on that team in the midfield, and so that 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 Facundo um, Velasco Legette tri- triple midfield is going to get a, a lot of eyes on them and a lot of workload on them and a lot of responsibility on them, and really that probably will be the key to the game. You know, it's because if you let those guys in that inner midfield run rampant on you, you're going to be in trouble. So, yeah, I was, um, I, I, I hope Nico uh, shows the last six minutes of that game to the crew and, and all of the terrible decision making that was going on. There was no need to try to attack. Uh, there was, Jesus was guilty of, at least twice not passing the ball to somebody wide open in the box and trying to beat two defenders and, uh, you know, players uh, advancing the ball forward when they weren't under pressure and just turning it over and a bad pass and just giving Mazatlan every opportunity. And Buzz, as you said, man of the match, Martin Paz with a stunning double save uh, at very, very late in the game, I, I just thought was uh, maybe the one really, really good bright uh, you know, bright thing other than Ansa to to take out of the performance. Well, Jesus was also pretty good. I don't think you can, you know, him as the man of the match choice was certainly a viable choice. Uh, and I think obviously the way the legit Velasco combo keeps going is very good. But I do agree that for me, like that was the sort of standout performance, the save the game performance from pause because there was probably three shots in the last 20 minutes that would have easily been goals against a lot of keepers. Yeah. And he kept I them agree. out and he kept them, kept the, kept the win intact. You know, that could have easily been a tie or a loss, you know, if he's not making those saves. So um, that's why he was my, my man of the match. And he could, and he's having a phenomenal season. He's bailed him out maybe seven or eight times. Now he's bailed him out of a game. This was another one for me. They did that. All right. Well, let me, let me explain what I, where I'm thinking about this performance, which is, uh, the frustration of how 
uh, dangerous they were playing is reflective of what happened in the Charlotte game. They were leading that game. They had yeah. control of that game and they played with their food and they paid for it. And that's what I thought was going to happen last night. I was convinced they were going to give up that second goal and it was only for Martin Paz that they didn't. Well, there was a bit of a difference for me in those scenarios because against Charlotte, they had Jesus had two opportunities and somebody else had a, probably Oberon had a couple opportunities to put that and Kamuga did too to, to win that game. They could have won that game five nothing. Whereas against Mazatlan, I felt like, you know, they basically kind of luchy balled them for most of the time and just sort of kept the ball away from them until they made those subs late. And then they gave the, uh, the other team the ball. And all of a sudden that other team's like, okay, now we get to play. And so those are different scenarios in a lot of ways. It's still and playing over, with your food in my book. It is. In a, well, in the sense that like over the last 20 minutes, um, Mazatlan was just better. <laughs> I thought and, and if it hadn't been for pause, it would have been over. So it was more of a save the bacon than it was playing with the food. And playing with the food is like you can kill them and you don't. Man, there was no chance for them to kill that game at the end. They were getting dominated in the last 20 minutes. You know, uh, so I, I thought they had at least two really good opportunities to finish. I thought Oberon being offside twice, uh, Jesus's two opportunities in the box where he didn't pass yeah. the ball. And I would also say all of this just really crummy decision making late in the game to just continuously turn the ball over in bad spots at midfield, allowing Mazatlan space to, to attack. I just the whole thing kind of fell apart in those last five or six minutes, and I know there's it's it's this it's a different version of the same story with Charlotte, which is they, there was no reason to have lost the game against Charlotte, and there would have it would have been an absolute disaster if they had given up that tying goal last night. Yeah, it certainly would have been. Uh, I think they'll have to do some introspection on why the last twenty minutes were so bad. Uh, it wasn't even five for me; it was the last twenty. Yeah, I think you I, could look at most of the game. You've even from Kamungo slipping over in the first half, clean through on goal. Uh, Anza had one he really should have done better with. Jesus had those. Um, I don't know. He, I mean, I don't know if he was just sulking about Edwin, but his head wasn't in that game at all yesterday. Uh, the two where he had players open with an easy tap, and he decides to smash it at a player's leg. Then. On the first one, steals the ball away from Leggett to smash it off a player again. Um, there, there, there was there were so many chances that went begging there. They like Charlotte. They they could have had five goals very easily. Yeah, I thought so too. I uh, and, and which was disappointing because I thought they had played such an interesting and nice and uh, positive vibe feeling game up until you know those subs started happening, which obviously makes me very concerned about Paxton, who looked really weird last night. I don't know if you guys are uh, in agreement with me that <laughs> that was a really weird Paxton performance, albeit what 15, 20 minutes max. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Dan. No, I'm just saying it wasn't free. Uh, it looked like a guy who was, his mind was going faster than his body. Yeah, that's not a bad way of saying it. Yeah, the combinations of subs in the midfield really was not, did not do the, the, uh, what I think they probably were expecting it to. And usually you expect Paxson to be, you know, all over the place. And CQ2, for that matter, they're both high energy players. Um, you know, Ansa for, for, um, um, Obreon, I thought was a really good sub. That that worked really well. Yeah. But you know, Paxson at 
taking out Legette, you know, the, the the you sort of that sort of ended a lot of the play, some of the penetrating play, and then taking out Velasco totally killed it. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> at the very end of the game, um, you know, and part of it too is uh, taking off Camungo for Ariola. You know, Ariola is has been a really good player, but you know, right this minute he's missing something in terms of his energy and fitness and 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 impactful play. And Camugo is so explosive. Um, whoever you pair him with, Ansa or Obreon, you know, those those three guys have the ability to pin people back and not let them get forward on you. And when you take one of those guys out for Areola, as smart of a soccer player as he is, right now he can't pin people back. And, and so that's all part of it, you know. It, it, all those subs in general did not quite go like you would like them to. All right, so Sunday, Buzz, as we uh, probably need to start wrapping this up, how do you feel doubt that Nico's going to line this team up? Well, I am afraid that the old, as long as you keep winning, you get to keep playing thing will rear its head and, and O'Brown will start again. Uh, I would really like it not him not to because I don't like some of the decisions he's making. I would prefer Ansa, who is a much, much better soccer decision maker, um, so my hopeful that we get that change happen, but I'm not confident we'll get that change happen. Otherwise, it's Jesus and Camungo. Uh, Ariel is not ready to displace Camungo, and the midfield is obvious. You don't the new guy's not here, and Evelyn's gone. So it's Facundo no matter what. Uh, it's probably Velasco and Legette no matter what. Neither Seeking nor or Paxson did anything in that game last game. Anything that they should be starting in front of any of those guys. So the only question mark is. Um, I think it's a no-brainer that you play Tafari and Ibiaga. You know, I really hope that the Spanish whatever doesn't win out, the Spanish Mafia, and we end up with Martinez. That would be a terrible decision, in my opinion. So you just have to wonder, um, is Farfan healthy enough to play? Because you would like his pace also. He's a little bit quicker, in my mind, than Junka. Um, and then I would be tempted, perhaps, to play um, Tuomasi, if he's healthy, over Giovanni Jesus, because um, this is going to be a game where the other team's going to have the ball the whole game. It's going to be like eighty percent possession to Miami, um, and and Tuomasi's such a better defender, you know. So Dallas will be able to do their counterattacking, quick transition thing. You know, just don't expect them to have much of the ball. Enters enters a, a possession heavy side and Dallas is not a possession heavy side. So that part will be fairly obvious. And it doesn't mean that the game's not going on Dallas's favor just because they don't have the ball. It's what they want to have happen. So that's kind of where I'm at and, and kind of the decisions I hope to have happen. You know, Ansa in for Obreon and then um, a healthy Farfan will be nice, but won't be the end of the world. And then I would pick, if Tuomasi's healthy, I would pick him over Giovanni for this one. Am I nuts for thinking that in reality, Buzz, the two best fullbacks on this team are Farfan on the left and Junka on the right? No, I, yeah, you can make that case. Yeah, Junka is better um, in the final third going forward than um, he's been such a nice revelation yeah. of an addition to this team this year, particularly when he's on the right because then he can go inside on his left foot and play outside in that modern flip foot wing. You know, even outside backs, we now see it all the time. Like Junka likes the right side better than the left for that very reason. Um, you know, certainly right this minute, I probably, he probably is better than Tumasi because Tumasi has been out of action for a month and a half. So if Farfan's ready, uh, I would take Junko over both those guys on the right. In fact, 
This coach has not yet started Juca at right back, though. He's he's brought him in late, but hadn't started him. Hmm. So I would take either him or Tuomasi over Giovanni for for this game, in my opinion. Hmm. So, what are you going to say, Dan? Uh, I wasn't saying anything. Uh, my one thought really is uh, with Ansa, uh, is he 90 minutes in 100-degree weather uh, ready? Uh, we've seen him come off the bench effectively, but you know, um, it it comparatively doesn't take much to have just half an hour where you can kind of absolutely shatter yourself. It's a lot harder to control that from the start. It is, but you know, we, it, we, there's also now guys that could come in and give him. You only really need to get like sixty out of him. Yeah. You know, you you got you got O'Brien and, and Ariola both who can and, and Dante Sealy too for that matter could bring in, you know, give you thirty. Or and 45, and the other thing is with uh, Giovanni Jesus, he is a yellow card away from being suspended. Uh, yellow cards are, are wiped out after the this coming round. So, I mean, do you take the risk on him anyway? When uh, if you even look at Messi the wrong way, you get, get a yellow card. And currently, yeah, good point. Yeah. Can we just take a minute before we finish up to enjoy the comic moment of Hot Air Obreon and the off and the goal that was disallowed for the offside? Because there's so many elements to that particular sequence that I just is such quintessential Hot Air Obreon. Uh, uh, just including the fact that he scores a goal is called offside and he complains like it's the end of the world. They show the replay. And in fact, it turns out that you can make an argument that he was very much onside because the defender on the far side of the field yeah. pretty much makes you feel like that hot air. Mm-hmm. But the, but then you go back and you rewatch the entire sequence and you realize if you pay very close attention, hot air has absolutely zero clue that guy on the other side of the field <laughs> is holding him onside. Yeah. And it's it's like, and he's complaining knowing you have to think that he has to know in his heart he's offside because he has no idea that guy 25 yards away actually held him on. Yeah, from his point of view, he was off by a long shot. Here's <laughs> the thing. You've, you've both played the game. Everything's worth a shout. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. yeah. Fair. But it, it was more than a shout. He really threw a fit. He threw yeah. a, a pretty classic hot air Obreon fit for a while. There, and he thinking, was right. <laughs> he was, yeah. but he didn't know he was right. right? He didn't know he was right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I was very up for a very frustration. And yeah. by the way, in fairness to hot air, that was a nice finish. Oh, the first one, though, he was offside by miles. And oh. he's like, well, I'm off. I was like, dude. Well, here's my question. Why is Legit crossing the ball to a guy so obviously offside? Oh, uh, you know, just you see a guy and so you pass it and it's like you forget, you know. That's the He difference. was running out of space in a hurry. I, I know the com- commentators, including Fallable, was like, oh, yeah, you're right. You should have shot that. I was like, oh, he was running out of time fast. You know, that defender yeah. was closing on him and he had to get rid of it. And he sees over on his left. He's like, sweet. And oh, shit, you're offside. There was one thing I would love to know. When the penalties awarded, Jose Martinez is he's arguing with the referee he walks off with his head in his hands looking like someone just ran over his pet hamster i yeah. want to know what the hell he was pissed off about was, was he thinking it was a red card did he think it was a last man red card call and he totally didn't see the the second defender literally two yards away i mean it was it was a soft penalty anyway it was it was by the letter of the law a penalty but it was soft as shit. 
I thought um, he clipped him pretty. It was pretty clumsy. I, I it was a little grab at the arm and then a tiny shove in the back. But oh, I thought he clipped his legs. I thought I saw him clip his ankle too. So I thought it was just clumsy in general. I, I assumed he just wanted the call. That was my assumption. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't. Know. Sometimes I don't know what's going but, on with Martinez's it, it, mind. It just, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like, what's he losing his mind for? <laughs> Maybe he's having when another cramp. That, I, yeah. When I saw that, I thought they were trying to overturn the penalty. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, hey, look, guys, they got the win. Yeah, win. Yeah, it's a good win. Uh, we should be. And Messi's coming to town. Oh, no one cares about that. But it was, you know, <laughs> mostly, mostly a decent performance. Like you said, they very much played with their food. Hopefully, they learned from a few things. Uh, Martin Paz, after the game, seemed pretty annoyed that they were played so passively in the last uh in the last few minutes when they dropped into that low block yeah hey look i mean i think i haven't paid that close attention but my perception is is that mls has come out really strongly in this tournament other than what like two or three of the big dog league mx teams and all the and mls has pretty much done their business against all the others right am i correct in saying this uh, it's actually closer to 50-50. But, oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, but, I mean, it's in MLS's favor, but you have to consider, too, that, you know, all the games are here, so there's a big home field advantage. And, obviously, the Mexican teams are all in the very beginning of their season. Yeah, okay, season. fair enough. So it's been in MLS's favor, but I think when you weigh those two things, then it's, you know, it's at least more balanced than Champions League has been. You know, there's still a clear divide between the Mexican teams and the amount of money they have. You know, they have what would count as a DP in this league. Like, we have teams here that have three and they have teams that have 15 not all of them but some of them you know so it's not a level playing field yet i'm just excited that at least it's close the competition's close and i can't wait to watch fc Dallas win this thing just so i can make out of the seven teams so far that are qualified for around the 16 only care uh has been the only mexican team yeah well yeah. before this round it was close to even but you know i think you had to get to calculate those two things in yeah, it was, what, 13 out of... I'm just hopeful that on Sunday night, Nico sticks somebody on Busquets and somebody is at least attempting to keep Busquets from picking his head up and pinging balls 50 yards onto dimes and and at least giving him some sort of hassle and not just free reign to do whatever the F he wants to. Um, yeah, that's, that's my big worry is that... Velasco and Legette trying to trying to keep that guy from springing somebody. It's yeah, gonna be the problem. Uh, Velasco must be out of his mind. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm sure Keon is too. I'm, I'm, maybe that's part of the reason why Facundo was playing so well last night was because he was fighting for the opportunity to play another Argent. You know, to play Messi. You know, and Alan hitting the crossbar in the first. Oh yeah, that was nice shot too. Yeah. So who gets Messi's jersey? Oh yeah, I don't know. That's, Who's that's my it's, a, it's a big thing. I mean, apparently they decided before the game. Messi gets to say, I think. Who's getting it? I bet Velasco gets it. I don't know. Who knows? It depends on whether Facundo knows him or not. Yeah. Well, boys, I am very. I look. Maybe I'm a. I'm a man on an island, but I am super excited as a, a fan of this club for, that this is happening on Sunday, and I am very much looking forward to it. Yeah, enjoy the game, man. It's going to be. Thank I mean, you, I'll Buzz. watch it on TV, but you know, it's, it'll be. I'm excited to watch it too, but not just not not as big a deal for me in person. Yeah, 
Dan, you all a tingle or are you just meh about this in a very Dan way? I mean, you know, it's it's another FC Dallas game. I'd be okay, covering yeah. it if it was Orlando or if it was Miami. So, you know. My double photographer got turned down, so I only got up. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Well, it just it was a space question, you know. Yeah, well, I can't imagine how many. I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah overflow media seating and the whole bit you know that was the thing i i really i wonder i'm just gonna give i'm gonna hope that the hunts and somebody in the front office at the very least put some thought into doing something with the stage for this game whether resurrecting the beer garden Mm. stands or doing some sort of standing room only or doing something and some sort of legal or city code thing was the reason why they didn't capitalize on that opportunity for this for this game no it would have been the league if anything yeah i can't imagine yeah okay yeah i i, I will say i will give somebody at some level at fc Dallas some level of credit because there was a legitimate concern on my part that we would not get our normal credentials at all we still got one photographer and we still got dan so that's you know when you see in some of the Messi's other games you see national guys getting their credential turned down you know, yeah. I mean, I legitimately was well, like, I'm not even sure we're getting our own ones. In, you know? in fairness, that was that was uh, Herc complaining that he got turned down, what, four days after the deadline. Yeah, sure. But, you know, it still crossed my mind that it was a big deal and it might oh, yeah. change things and we might not get our normal one. I'm just trying to get some credit that we actually did get our normal allotment. Of oh, yeah. Issues, I so. mean, FC Dallas is for constantly with the league on just about everything in this so definitely that's good to hear yeah well you know what monday may roll around and nothing has changed and everything goes back to the status quo but i hope everybody uh that gets an opportunity to be in attendance sunday night just enjoys the scene and the atmosphere and the experience because it's something you'll be able to tell your family down the road that you were at messi's first mls or first i'm uh, not mls first road game uh and dallas hosted it and that's kind of cool loss. so yeah and his first <laughs> loss that yeah. would be pretty awesome too look i think dallas has a good shot at giving them some trouble if they play their cards right dallas is a good side and and hey, and he good. hasn't played Almost on the road the fully, yet fully team. yeah and he hasn't played on the road yet and it's gonna be balls hot it's gonna be 105 and, yeah it's yeah and uh, dallas loves to kill games so did you yeah. notice uh, on the TV they've started putting a thermometer next to one of the match balls on the stand yes. so that the TV camera can cut to it? Yes, I saw that. They showed that last night. I noticed that, yeah. Good stuff. All right, well, boys, uh, good fun? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Dan, did you have good fun? It was a long one. It was a long one. Uh, uh, we got there. We, we eventually got there. We did get there. Well, I hope to see you on Sunday, uh, Dan. I will uh, certainly keep an eye out for you. And then run away as soon as you see me at a distance? <laughs> exactly. You know the deal. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, know, I know how you are, sir. Buzz, I, again, I know it's not as big a deal to you. I, it would have been yeah. a lot of fun to have gone to this game with you. Uh, so I'm sorry. I mean, I know you're enjoying 65-degree mornings and shit like that up there. Yeah. But <laughs> 50, 55, dude. Yeah. 
middle finger emoji to you, sir. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, uh, I, uh, I wish you had been here. It would have been a lot of fun to see you. So we'll, we'll have to, I'll yeah. send you a text or a picture well, or something. When I planned this trip back in February, I didn't know messaging game was going to be on the cards, but yeah. Yeah. Third Degree, the podcast has been brought to you by Soccer90.com. For all your FC Dallas, North Texas Soccer Club, and U.S. National Team gear, check out all the stuff. The women's national team jerseys, all the stuff from all the teams, T-shirts, scarves, everything you want. Represent the women's national team down at the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. If you shop at Soccer90.com, use code Third Degree at checkout. You'll get 20% off your order. Some exclusions do apply. Soccer90.com. This is a weird weekend for me. Tomorrow night, I'm going to see Barbie. Ooh. Sun Saturday night, I am finally getting my uh, reserved opportunity to go see Oppenheimer on the IMAX. I was going to ask you if you were going to Barbenheimer it. I'm, well, I'm going to Barbie Friday night, Oppenheimer Saturday night, and so, Messi in Frisco on Sunday. That's a pretty big weekend. That's yeah. a crazy weekend. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very good. All right, boys. Uh, well done. We will speak next week. Uh, thank you, Dan. Thank you. Thank you, Buzzard. Have fun up there in Idaho. Thanks. Enjoy the game, man. How are the meetings going, by the way? The convention. Meeting? What convention? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to talk about that. I forgot. That's right. Down low. Down down low. Low key. Uh, Hope you and the uh, family are having fun up there. Yeah, we are. (laughs) And thank you, FC Dallas Curious Fan. Turn out big on Sunday. If uh, you happen to uh, run into me, please say hello, or Dan, or anybody else that's at the game. We'd love to say hello to you, uh, and uh, we will speak to you next week and talk about the messy game on another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. I die. No, you die. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third degree, the third degree never care.